0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, the most recent shooting, killing, murder by policemen in Minneapolis-St. Paul causes me to return once again to the case of the shooting, killing, murder of Philando Castile in the Twin Cities. Today, the Minnesota Twins wrapped up a homestand against the New York Yankees. And all is well, and, you know, all of the... (laughs) Uh, surrounding fanfare and everything, one would think, oh my word, you know, life is so good there. Well, Minneapolis St. Paul, Minnesota, is one of the metropolitan areas in the United States of America that is home to Islamist cells. Islamist terrorist cells, dare I say. Uh, There is considerable Islamist concentration in the Twin Cities, in that sanctuary state, those sanctuary cities. And these particular murders are seemingly not related to that, but the reason I mention it is this, is that if the police are so incapable and incompetent that the slightest little thing causes them to go into a murderous panic, murderously shooting innocent law-abiding citizens peaceful citizens, how on earth do you imagine that the police will survive (laughs) when they are confronted with actual, factual, severe, grave danger? Of course they won't. They won't be able to protect themselves and they won't be able to protect anybody else. And they are only a threat (laughs) to good godly, and or law-abiding, peaceful people. And this is the way it's been for some time because our whole weight of government, federal, state, municipal government, has been exercising this momentum, to fashion forces, which are a very, very real murderous threat to law-abiding peaceful people, but (laughs) are virtually no threat to destroyers. It's been a very strange thing, and it's been going on for a few decades now. But going back to the murder, as I refer to it, which is what it was, even though the officer was cleared of all charges... Depends on your definition of murder, I suppose. You know, it's like, depends on what the definition of is, is, according to a former president who was corruptor and perverter-in-chief, and still is, even though he's no longer president. But police officer Geronimo Yanez slew... Murdered, in my view, Philando Castillo. Now, this happened a year ago, as far as the actual incident. But the judicial proceedings, the criminal judicial proceedings, have just wrapped up here in the past few weeks. So, the incident consisted of a traffic stop that was initiated by Officer Euronimo Yanez because, according to him, as he sat in his patrol car and saw Philando Castile drive by, he thought that Philando Castile resembled a suspect in a robbery case. And he took it upon himself to pull him over. And there was dash cam video, unlike in the most recent incident, which we will get to. But the dash cam video shows the officer calmly telling Falando Castile that his brake light is broken. And that that was supposedly the reason for the stop when, in fact, he apparently decided to initiate this traffic stop because he thought, That Philando Castile resembled a suspect. Well, Philando Castile made a couple fatal errors. A couple things that, had he not done them, would have undoubtedly. Saved his life. But because of the extremely murky situation with reference to conceal carry laws from state to state to state, differing in one state after another after another, he chose to voluntarily notify officer yanez that he was carrying a firearm what he needed to say if he was going to volunteer anything what he needed to say was that he was a concealed carry permit holder and as such that he had a firearm in his possession in the vehicle that apparently was not necessary in Minnesota, at least it was not as recently as 2012. But in many states, that is required, that if you are stopped by a law enforcement officer, that you have to voluntarily provide that information. In other states, and apparently in Minnesota at the time of this traffic stop a year ago, There was no such requirement until said law enforcement officer demanded (laughs) such information. But in any case, Philando Castile volunteered the information that he had a firearm on him. He did not state that he was a concealed carry permit holder, unfortunately. That should not have proven to be a fatal mistake. But (laughs) given Officer Euronimo Yanez, it did so prove. So, Philando Castile said the following, quote, Sir, I have to tell you, I do have a firearm on me, end quote. And he said this calmly. (laughs) And... Murderers, destroyers, do not volunteer such information, nor would they provide it (laughs) on demand. But, Philando Castile did. And, interestingly enough, immediately following that, Officer Yanez places his hand on his own gun, and he starts shouting shouting and this is a point blank range to the vehicle and to Philando Castile and to the woman seated with him, Diamond Reynolds, who is his woman friend, and with her four-year-old daughter in the back seat, he starts yelling at Philando Castile, Don't pull it out, don't pull it out. Even though he has reached for his firearm and he is withdrawing it. Moments later, he shoots Philando Castile at point-blank range, attempts to shoot him seven times, only hits him two times out of seven, but two times is enough to be fatal. Miraculously, the little girl in the back seat is not hit. Miraculously, Diamond Reynolds is not hit. Even though Officer Yanez is such an incompetent shot that seven shots at point blank range, he only hits Philando Castile twice. What took place um, in the moment before the shooting is that Philando Castile attempted to withdraw his ID to show the officer another fatal mistake. One fatal mistake. The first one, which initiated everything, initiated the panic reaction, the panic attack by officer Yanez was volunteering that he had a firearm. The second was continuing proceeding to attempt to remove the identification which the officer required. If even after having provided the information that it would have been so much better had he not provided it to the officer, even after that, if Falando Castillo had Done something which was not required, not called for, but nonetheless had raised his hands, had put his hands up, you know, at the top of the steering wheel, on the dash, something like that. Perhaps, and I say perhaps, perhaps Officer Yanez would not have murdered him. But he did murder him. Perhaps if he had had Diamond Reynolds attempt to withdraw the ID for the officer. Perhaps that would have prevented the murder. I think that that actually would have resulted in a double or triple murder. However, <laughs> that's my my own thinking on that is that this panic-stricken officer would have not only shot Philando Castile, but shot Diamond Reynolds and probably because <laughs> of the spacing in the car so forth also have succeeded in murdering the little girl. But in any case, That's what took place. And a jury just found Officer Euronimo Yanez not guilty on all three charges, the three charges being one count of second-degree manslaughter and two counts of dangerous discharge of a firearm. Perhaps you're wondering, well, okay, where is the count for first-degree murder? How about a count for second-degree murder? How about a count for first-degree manslaughter? No, (laughs) no such charges. Prosecuting attorney, district attorney had no use in filing such charges. The worst charge, the most serious charge, was second-degree manslaughter. This was not accidental. Okay, This wasn't an accidental discharge of a firearm. But, again, he was found not guilty in a monstrous miscarriage of justice. And then following that, some days following that, the judge presiding over these proceedings, Ramsey County District Judge William Leary, told the jurors in a letter that apart from, despite the criticism, (laughs) that they had applied the law fairly, despite the public criticism of their ruling, that they had applied the law fairly when they acquitted Officer Euronimo Yanez the preceding month. To which I say this, if they, in fact, applied the law fairly in acquitting Officer Euronimo Yanez, then the law is fatally flawed, to put it gently and exceedingly diplomatically. If I had been the DA, Officer Yanez would not have been charged with second-degree manslaughter. That was a gross miscarriage of justice right there, and which is directly tied to the results. But now, fast forward to the most recent incident in the Twin Cities. An Australian woman, and I will mispronounce her name badly because <laughs> I haven't heard anything uh, via media to tell me how to pronounce it. So I'll just say Justine Ruzik, and then they have her name as Damond. Well, or it's been pronounced, I did her, uh, saw something about Damond, something like that. Uh, but I have not heard the pronunciation of her actual name. She's a fiancé. You don't change name with being engaged, okay? Not until marriage. Oh, I know, we've got all of these new and improved ways of doing things now. But, the fact of the matter is, her name is still Justine Rosick, or however it's pronounced. Well, she was murdered also by a police officer in the Twin Cities. Now, this officer who slew her, murdered her, is from or of descent of a nation which is represented very heavily in the Islamist terror community. Yes, many of those who have left Minnesota to go over and join in with ISIS are from this particular community. And so I'm referring to Somalian, Somali-American, the officer being a young officer, only been on the job for a couple years. And he's Muslim, and... uh, the circumstances surrounding the shooting are nothing short of breathtaking. But again, I can still find a couple things that the murdered did wrong that could have, had they not done them, could have prevented them being murdered. But the officer last name Noor, first name Mohammed, Mohammed Noor. He and his partner responded to a 911 call that Justine Ruzik made. Now, she's Australian, but she's in the United States of America, and it's a little bit murky to me, but it sounds as if she's living with her fiance and his son. And living in a neighborhood that was supposed to be a very nice neighborhood. And I question how upscale a nice neighborhood it actually, factually is because there was an alley running behind the property. And normally that's a tip off that the community is not that upscale and nice <laughs> when there are, are alleys running between properties. It's just, you usually don't find that. Okay. Uh, in places where I've lived, that normally uh, is a very clear tip off that you're not in a particularly good neighborhood, a particularly prosperous neighborhood so on and so forth. But She thought she heard the sounds of a woman being attacked out in the alleyway. She called 911. The police responded. And unfortunately, this woman, nice woman, beautiful woman, who was 40 years old, who was a yoga instructor and a meditation instructor, whatever, and I think maybe just a little bit ditzy, pardon me, but that's the way it strikes me, uh, from her actions. She was wearing pajamas. She went out to meet the police. She's going to help the police, okay? So she goes out to the alley to meet the police in her pajamas with a cell phone. Now, this was a... Beautiful, Caucasian, blonde-headed woman, right, of average, modest size, and just beautiful, beautiful smile, beautiful face, beautiful woman. And the squad car stops, and the officer, the driver speaks with her, and then there is a, apparently, this is something that's been added very recently, that the driver, the officer in the driver's seat, heard a loud sound. Well, immediately after that, immediately after that, Muhammad Noor draws his weapon and shoots across his partner's body, Through the window or through the open door, it had to be through the open door because it wouldn't, the shot wouldn't have hit her where it did, struck her in the abdomen and she died. Now, why she would have died from one shot to the abdomen, the only reason I can think, I know there are vital organs there, but the only reason I can think that she would necessarily have died is that she did not receive immediate medical attention. I am reminded of a shooting, dare I say a murder, from long ago, a celebrity incident. You may recall this, you may not. It depends on your age and so on and so forth. But Andy Williams, a wonderful singer, a wonderful entertainer, of the Williams brothers, because they were all very musical, but Andy made his fame and fortunes as a, as a solo singer, not as part of the family. He was married to a French woman, a, a just a, a stripling of a woman, Claudine Longet who was also a singer. And she left him for a handsome well-built, strapping, extremely outstanding athlete, an alpine skier, a downhill skier, who the only name I know him by is Spider Savage. I don't know what his actual first name was, but Spider Savage. And he wooed her away. She moved in with Spider, left her husband, Andy Williams, Andy Williams of Moon River fame, you may remember, uh, she was living with him, living with Spider, and then that was until she killed Spider Savage, and she shot him to death with a twenty-two caliber pistol. I don't know if you've shot twenty-two caliber pistols. Uh, I loathe them because I find that they are incredibly—at least the ones I've shot—are incredibly unreliable. <laughs> Uh, low powered, very little recoil or next to no recoil, low sound, very little stopping power, and extremely, the ones I've shot, extremely unreliable in terms of having all kinds of misfires and so forth, failures to fire, at least that's my personal experience with them, but... The one that Claudine Langer shot hit Spider Savage in the abdomen. And he bled to death. He bled out. Now, I do not believe that she got emergency services involved there immediately for him. But, in any case, could have lacerated an artery, so on and so forth. And he was a young man and an extremely vital one. And he died from just one shot from a twenty-two caliber pistol. Now, obviously, this is not what this officer in Minneapolis, St. Paul, was shooting. I don't know whether it was 9mm, or whether it was a three fifty seven auto, whether it was a forty five, I don't know what the ammunition was, even though I assume it was... Uh, jacketed hollow point, but I, in any case, this woman died supposedly from one shot to the abdomen. Have you ever heard an incident of a police officer, a law enforcement officer firing a weapon, discharging a weapon deliberately firing across the body of their partner? while seated in a vehicle. I haven't. I could see that happening in certain circumstances. Let's say they are in gang-ridden, gang-controlled, gang-terrorized inner city. And all of a sudden, some person or persons approach the vehicle very menacingly. And for some reason, the officer nearest is unaware or unable to reach their firearm, and their partner reaches theirs and fires to defend their partner. I could see that happening. That is not what happened here. This is a beautiful, medium-sized or smaller, Caucasian woman with blonde hair. My point is, she shows up in the light. Whatever the lighting conditions were, she showed up as being that. Not a menacing figure, all right? Not remotely a menacing figure. She's wearing her pajamas, and she's holding a cell phone. All of you people that are in love with your smartphones, in love with your cell phones, I recommend you leave them at home. And this woman should have stayed at home, even if it's not her home, it's her fiancé's home, whom she was apparently living with. But now they're giving her cell phone as an out, as an excuse for why this officer murdered her, that he mistook that for a weapon. After all, I mean, cell phones look just like handguns, don't they? (laughs) Don't they? Uh, Anyway... He shot her to death. He murdered her, in my view. He murdered her, this Muslim police officer. Well, if he gets the same jury as Officer Geronimo or Geronimo Yanez, then, hey, He should be okay. And furthermore, if it's the same DA, if it's the same prosecutor, he should only be charged with second-degree manslaughter. In both cases, at the very, very least, both of these officers were ill-trained, ill-equipped, ill-experienced, and panic-stricken. You know, our dear, dear, esteemed senior senator from California, Diane Feinstein, who has stated, gone on public record, that all military veterans are mentally ill and therefore should be prohibited from owning firearms, from carrying firearms, These are the police officers that she would want because these are police officers without military experience. These are police officers who panic at a sound, at the drop of a hat, at nothing, at a statement that a driver has a firearm in their possession, not stated menacingly, not threateningly, but strictly informationally. And in this case, a woman, a beautiful 40 year old woman who, as far as I'm concerned, looked 30 in her pajamas, who called 911 because she feared that a woman was being attacked out there, and then she foolishly goes out there to meet the police. He guns her down, shooting from within the vehicle, cowardly, cowardly. Both of these guys operated cowardly in a panic. And acting as cowards. Absolute out and out cowards. And he fires from within the vehicle, shooting her, killing her, slaying her, murdering her. But this is the best you can hope for. <laughs> if if the likes of Diane Feinstein get their way, right? Let's have let's have police who have no experience, who have not been tried under fire, who have no military training, police who, of course, never owned firearms when they were young, never were trained properly in the use of them, because, you know, enlightened states like Washington State, you're not allowed to even purchase a BB gun or a pellet gun until you're 18 years of age. Anyway, it's tragic. It's an absolute out-and-out tragedy and a monstrosity. And as far as I'm concerned, well, we do not have anything remotely approaching biblical justice in the United States of America. We haven't for ages. And, uh, These particular incidents, what these police officers did, in the Bible, if we want to go back to that archaic instrument, the Holy Bible, they're guilty of murder. Plain and simple, they're guilty of murder, and the penalty for that is execution. Not imprisonment. Not imprisonment, not even imprisonment with hard labor for the rest of their lives. Not that anybody in the United States of America receives that. They can receive that in Cuba and Mexico and North Korea, not here, and China, communist China, you know, for being a Christian, for instance. But, no, anyway. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. In case you missed the introduction, the program is After All is Said and Done, And I am Brad Thomas, and I am responsible for whatever is wrong with this program. And God is responsible for whatever is right with this program. We live in times, latter times of this nation. I respect, to this day, I respect former President Ronald Reagan. In my view, he's the only president that this nation has had in the past, oh my gosh, I mean, it is almost 100 years now that was fit, that was deserving, that was worthy to be president, and so forth, but... That's not to say that he was flawless and that he didn't make all manner of mistakes and so forth. He did. He made some terrible mistakes, (laughs) such as selecting George Herbert Walker Bush as his vice president. And prior to that, even going so far as to select, to offer the vice presidency to none other than uh, Gerald Rudolph King Ford, but and uh, and then withdrawing it when he saw on television there at the convention that Ford was talking about how he was going to be co-president and so on and so forth. Uh, and Reagan turned on a dime and, and offered it to, to Bush. Uh, but anyway, this nation... Contrary to President Reagan, this nation's best and brightest days are not ahead of it. And they weren't when he said those things, even though he genuinely, sincerely believed that he was wrong. And they are not now. This officer, Mohammed Noor, by the way, just for your information, perhaps you've seen this already, but he interestingly enough had been cited with multiple complaints, multiple complaints on his file, three complaints on his file. This young officer had been an officer for perhaps a couple of years, perhaps two years. And yet he already had been cited three times. And, uh, A couple of those are still on his file. But he was to be trusted. These are the people that are to be trusted with firearms, not you and I, not John Doe citizen, not law-abiding citizen, not Mary Doakes, American citizen, mother and so forth. Now, they're not the ones to be trusted with firearms. And certainly none of the military veterans out there, none, whether those veterans are 95 or whether those veterans are 25, they are not to be trusted with firearms. They are all mentally ill, according to none other than that great, great American and sage, Dianne Feinstein, Senator, from California. Now, perhaps you're willing to give her a pass. You're going to say it was a slip of the lip. Uh, she doesn't really think that. I've got news for you if you think that way. <laughs> what she said was issuing forth from her heart. It was an unguarded moment. She was speaking forth that which she keeps concealed normally but she was so concerned about her gun control bill failing that she lost it. (laughs) And she said what she really thought and meant and believed and stands for. It reminds me of this woman, top cop, in London, who following a terrible Islamist terrorist attack recently, she stated that it was impractical and unreasonable to arm all police officers. Yes. Interesting response. Many people attacked, murdered, and the police unable. <laughs> To defend themselves, let alone anybody else. And she takes this opportunity to provide a teaching moment and states that it's unreasonable and impractical to arm all police officers. Mm. And again, they don't need to all be armed. Not when all of the law-abiding, honorable, honest, peaceful, and courageous citizenry and all of the military veterans, as long as they're all disarmed. As long as the only ones with weapons are the terrorists, the Islamist terrorists and the other murderers, and destroyers, all of the police don't need to be armed because they can round up the rest of us without requiring all of the police to be armed. But I digress. So, you saw, of course, you've heard, of course, about the attack made on the Republican congressional leadership in the form of the majority whip at this charity ball game, charity baseball game between Republicans and Democrats. And he was targeted, as were many others, and he was shot in the hip, not shot in the abdomen, like this dear woman was. Not shot with a handgun, shot with a rifle in the hip. And yet we had these wonderful people, wonderful Democrats, saying that Steve Scalise brought it upon himself, none other than national news anchor Scott Pelley, That he brought it upon himself. It was (laughs) self-inflicted. Or these Democrat officials who said that they are glad that he got shot, that they wished that he were dead, and mocking him and making fun of him, deriding him for having wept after having been gravely wounded with a rifle shot that went from one hip to the other and caused grave injury throughout his body and very, very, very nearly cost his life. But We live in strange times. Johnny Depp can wax poetic over in England at the Glastonbury Festival and say things like, when was the last time an actor assassinated a president? And then he goes on to say, well, I'm not an actor. (laughs) And I intended no malice. But his statements were just remarkable. Quote, I want to clarify, I'm not an actor. I lie for a living, end quote. That's what Johnny Depp said. If he's not an actor, what's an actor? (laughs) If Johnny Depp were not an actor, he would not be a mega millionaire celebrity, which is what he is. But he is a gifted actor, an entertaining actor, an enjoyable actor. A sorely lacking person whom there have been numerous accounts of him engaging in brutality towards this woman, that woman, and so on and so forth. But remarkable, these people that can get away with the kind of statements that they have made regarding President Trump, regarding Majority Whip Steve Scalise, and so on and so forth, and be given a pass, it's a non-story. It's a non-event. There are no repercussions. Whereas, (laughs) when there have been statements, any kind of statements made in the past with regard to Barack Hussein Obama, Michelle Obama, or whatever, instantaneous firings <laughs> and condemnations that go on and on and on. It's just curious about that. The disconnect, the duplicity, the double standard, the hypocrisy. Remarkable. Here's some time back physicist Stephen Hawking, of whom a glorifying movie was made about he and his wife. But Stephen Hawking made his most recent statements regarding the need for humankind, in essence, to flee the earth. Now, Stephen Hawking is not only not a Christian, he has no belief in God whatsoever, under any heading or label or whatever, but he has supposedly now, for years, warned all of us that humanity is facing imminent extinction from a variety of ...different dangerous looming threats, including climate change, nuclear war, viruses that are engineered, and so on and so forth. Now, certainly, there are dangers from all of these things, even though the climate change is cyclical. Nonetheless, there can be dangers associated with climate change which is cyclical and which is not man-made. The key components of climate change, what factors the most into climate change, are natural causes, natural disasters, volcanoes, earthquakes with magma rising to the surface and flowing, volcanic flows, forest fires, Fires that are started by arsonists. So in that sense, you could say, well, that's caused by people. Yes, <laughs> caused by criminals. But as far as the greenhouse gases and this nonsense, that is a drop in the bucket. The overwhelming majority of it is from natural causes, and those natural causes will be increasing according to no less an authority on such things than God Almighty in His Word. But Stephen Hawking says that, and I am paraphrasing here, that man's only hope is to flee the earth. Now, he has no recommendation or suggestion for one moment that there would be some way, shape, or form to evacuate all of humanity from the Earth, which even at this point in time is so ever much more hospitable than any other planet that can be found out there in the billions of universes comprised of billions of stars. No. Despite all of the wear and tear on this earth, despite all of the pollution, despite all of the corruption, and despite what these great world planners view as horrendous overpopulation, this world, this earth, this place that God created is still far and away the most hospitable place for humanity, for humankind whom God created. But Stephen Hawking says that we need the equivalent of another great space race. If humanity is going to continue for another million years, well, it's not. But if it's going to, then there needs to be a concerted effort, a global approach to leave the Earth. He says... Quote, to leave Earth demands a concerted global approach. Everyone should join in. We need to rekindle the excitement of the early days of space travel in the 60s. Yes. Well, he's a great visionary, of course. I thought it was so funny that despite all the extremely negative things that have been taught to children concerning Christopher Columbus, that he said the following, quote, Columbus did it in 1492 when he discovered the new world. But now there is no new world, no utopia around the corner. Well, and he goes on. But I do find it fascinating. Now, if you go back in time, you go back in the Bible, you find that when God determined to end humankind because of its corruption, its depravity, its wickedness, that he selected one family to survive. He selected them. But if there's going to be some new <laughs> evacuation, of people from a looming, all-world-consuming destruction, decisions concerning who should be saved, evacuated, removed, would be up to people the likes of Stephen Hawking. Suffice to say, the people selected will not be good, godly, God-fearing, God-believing people of faith. (laughs) But what's the point anyway, honestly? Hmm? What's the point if only 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 people are going to be spared? And they are going to be limited to a space station out there somewhere on an inhospitable planet. What's the point of that? And then there are going to be people that are not people of faith, not people with belief in God. I mean, it is the vainest of vain ideas, the vainest of vain ideas, to think that there is some virtue in doing that. Here we live on this earth, which is increasingly perverted. There's an extreme promotion of interracial marriages and families right now, in case you haven't noticed it. In advertisements, it's just constant bombardment of this, like this is the norm. Is that evil? No. Is it God's plan? No. <laughs> but it is promoted as such. There's aggressive promotion of sodomite perversion of society as being, as being the norm, natural, normal, loving, honorable, legitimate, respectable, And demanding respect. The Oregon Department of Motor Vehicles is pushing for a third gender classification for driver's licenses. And that will require all Oregon statewide government databases to be reworked, to be perverted, and at significant cost. Well, this, like the Islamist terrorism, it's going to reach a point at which what little is left of civilization will have to stand up for its existence or be lost under the tsunami flood tides of evil. And do you imagine that God will tolerate this destruction of his creation much longer? Not going to happen. How convenient that the sodomites have perverted God's rainbow to be one of their most recognized symbols of their hateful rebellion against God. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.